Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. Today's episode is called Lines of Play Part 2. I should have done this episode a little bit sooner, but as you can see the past two episodes, one was a planned interview and the other was just a impromptu on the ball, let's get ready to go and I just wanted to do a podcast and it was late at night and I was tired and if you couldn't tell I sort of rambled on a lot just like I am right now. All right. So besides that, before we get into it, before I get into my little intro, I'd like to thank MTG Cast for not only accepting me as one of the hosts on their website, but for also helping distribute this podcast. I have noticed the number of listeners have gone up, and I'm pretty happy about that. And, you know, it's uh, this is, what, episode eight, and I'm already getting that many people listening. That's pretty awesome. I just want to say thank you for everybody listening to this, and I wouldn't be doing this without you guys. You know, it instead it would just be me alone recording this and just me listen listening to it by myself, and you know maybe one friend listening to it. And I'd also like to say if you want to get a hold of me, my email address is magicwithzuby at gmail dot com. You can also catch me on Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. At Magic with Zuby. It's been a long day. Um, and what else? Oh, my personal Twitter is at Zubatron. That's Z-U-B-A-T-R-O-N. My website, which is... I'm in the process of buying the domain for it. MagicWithZuby.com. Uh, well, hopefully no one buys it before I do. That would kind of suck, but uh, oh well. But... My website, I'm sort of redesigning it right now, at least slowly but surely. It's mtgzubi.blogspot.com, which full domain is coming soon. <clears throat> Excuse me. So what's been going on in Magic since, let's see, my last podcast was Saturday. So from Sunday to Monday to today, it looks like they announced Conspiracy 2. I... I you know, I, I don't know. I don't have much to say about it because I never played the first Conspiracy. It never interested me to play it. I I do. I love Draft. I love Limited, but I've always the, the, pretty much the main reason I do Draft is to get playable cards for Standard or maybe sometimes Modern, depending on you know the set. So I at the time when Conspiracy came out, I just was not interested. I'd rather have played Standard the whole time. When did, when did the first Conspiracy come out? During, and like, M15 just come out or something like that? Jeez, was it already, like, two years ago? Dang. And time flies by. It feels, like, it feels like Return to Ravnica just came out, and that was, what, three years ago already? And because to me, Return to Ravnica still seems so new. Heck. Even some of these other sets seem new to me, too. Like, what, Kamigawa came out when I was in college? That that still seems kind of new. I mean, compared to when I was playing Urza's, but uh, that's besides the point. I don't... I, I don't know anything else happened. Oh, um... No, not that I can think of. I mean, there probably was some other stuff, but I just haven't been paying attention. I did not get to see the Star City Games uh, modern tournament go on this past weekend. I I think Affinity did win, though, 
if I remember correctly, but from everything I was reading, all the posts on Twitter and on MTG Salvation, there were a lot of Eldrazi decks again. And, I mean, it's not a big surprise that they're there. I mean, that deck seems so strong right now. And, I mean, it's 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 understandable why there's so many Eldrazi decks out there. Because, one, it's super good, super beat down, and, I mean, if you want to easily win, play that deck. So, I didn't get to see it. Saturday was the PPTQ that I went to. And by the time I got home, I wanted to record a podcast. And then Sunday... Oh, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Just so you know, I'm going through a little bit of a difficult period in my life right now. It's not really difficult. It's more exciting. But so far, it's been pretty exhausting. I'm I'm pretty tired. We're in the middle of looking to buy a house. I've already got pre-qualified for a certain amount. And now we're doing the house hunting aspect. We looked at got over 10 houses on Sunday and we took how oh, we spent like five, six hours just looking at houses. Pretty much. I was barely home at all this weekend. One, I had the PPTQ tournament. I'd left at like 11 o'clock in the morning. Didn't come back till nine or 10 at night. And then Sunday, wake up, leave around 10 o'clock, 10 AM. And we didn't get home till about I want to say 9 o'clock that night because we got home a little bit earlier since the kids had to go to school. My little planeswalkers. And, I mean, we looked at all these houses and then the wife and I saw Deadpool, which is a very funny movie. Holy crap. I had to contain myself during some parts because I was laughing so hard. I feel like I was. I thought I was going to get kicked out of the theater. I was howling. But, um... Yeah, there was that. And then Monday night came, and I decided to go to our local game store's Monday Night Modern, and I brought myself a new deck. I didn't just play Elves. That one deck I've been talking about for the past couple weeks about Grix's Delver, it's done. Kind of, sort of. I finally acquired the third Snapcaster Mage I needed. I just need one more. I really did not feel like putting the deck, you know, not playing the deck because I'm missing one snapcaster. So I played with three snapcasters and, and just for the people who don't know what snapcaster does, I think I've mentioned it before in the podcast. It is a one colorless and one blue has flash. Meaning flash means you can play the card at any time you could play an instant. So, when Snapcaster Mage enters the battlefield, target instant or sorcery card in your graveyard gains flashback. Flashback is you may cast that card from your graveyard for its flashback cost and then exile it. And the flashback cost is equal to its mana cost. So I figured I'll run three, you know, for the time being. I think, because I was only running two young pyromancers, and I decided just, hey, let me just add a third one a third young pyromancer just to sort of even it out. And I have to say that deck was really fun. I don't think in terms of meta and it being in the meta, I think 
Grixis Delver is kind of out of the meta. Definitely doesn't seem like tier one, tier two deck right now. Because all, all there's really going on right now is just beatdown decks. But my local meta isn't that bad. My local meta consists of, one, a lot of affinity, which... You know, it's I enjoy playing I enjoy playing against Affinity because since that's one of the top tier decks, the next time I go to an IQ or whatever it is, at least me going up against Affinity a lot of times at my local game store will get me prepared against playing it at a higher level. And then there are some um there are some homebrew decks that are there. But for the most part it's mainly Affinity, Tron, Jund. Trying to think what else. Zoo, Naya Zoo. There's some burn decks. And I think one person plays Eldrazi. When I was really fearing that there was going to be a lot more people playing Eldrazi when I um when I saw the Pro Tour. But now my local meta has pretty much kind of re- remained the same. Except now we have two more affinity players, so that puts three affinity players now. But, eh, that's to be expected. So, how did I do Monday Night Modern with Grixis Delver? I did really bad. And I attribute that to not being familiar with the deck. Because Grixis Delver is not just a straight beatdown deck, which my elf deck is. My elf deck is just basically, it's it's similar to Affinity. I just sort of throw up my hand, put all these creatures out on the table, swing and kill. That, that's the main gist of elves in modern. You get a lot of elves out, swing and kill. With Grixis Delver, there's very few creatures, and there's a lot of disruption. There's a lot of hand disruption. There's a lot of counters. There's a lot of kill spells. So you have to, you have to be proactive and reactive. You have to hold back a lot. You have to know when to cast certain spells. And it was really fun. It was really fun learning that there was, I didn't win a a single game until the third round because while I have played the deck online to a minimal extent, because I was practicing, I've been practicing elves more than anything, but now that I have Grixis Delver finally built, it'll want me to play, it'll make me want to play online more. So now that I have it built, I'm going to be practicing it more online and really trying to really get the deck down, really try to master it because I enjoyed the heck out of it. I loved, I love Snapcaster Mage. Holy crap. That is such a good card. I love the fact that, Hey, one of my got one of my opponents play a creature. Oh, I got three mana. I got a lightning bolt in the graveyard. Oh, I'm going to flash in Snapcaster, get lightning bolt back, kill it. Boom. You're done. Or, you know, get Snapcaster back and, oh, play a Spell Snare and it's countered. So, so the decks I went up against, my first round was against Affinity. And I lost horribly, which was to be expected. But my opponent, he he doesn't have... Best way to describe it. He doesn't play... He plays Affinity. He has all the basic Affinity creatures, but he... He puts in a lot of blue and red. Blue for thought cast, which holy crap, that is such a good draw spell card. It's wow. I mean, like I know it was good because I've messed with Affinity and Popper, but in modern, oh, damn, <laughs> that's a good card. And then 
he was also playing, I think, Gutshot or... Crap, I forgot I forgot what else he was playing. The, what the Red Burn spell, but he... It, there were some good games. They were both good games. It came really close on both of them. Like, I... I at least gave him a run for his money. You know, I would constantly be killing his creatures off, killing his creatures off, disrupting his hand. But he was also in game two, he was playing a counter spell package as well. So we would go into counter wars. So that was fun. You know, I lost. And then, you know, it really taught me some more about my deck against green, red Tron was the next round. I'm not sure what I can do with that. I don't have any Fulminator Mages right now, which I think hurts me bad. And against Tron, Blood Moon is really good. And I don't have Blood Moon right now, which I should probably pick up at least one Blood Moon and at least two Fulminator Mages. Because my what I had for Tron was the only thing I could do was Hand Disruption. You know, I I could get him down to a point, but as soon as he got Tron assembled, that's it. That was game over. And in case, you know, you're hearing this, I'm saying Tron this, Tron lands, and all that. There are a set of cards they call the Urzatron. There are three separate lands. Um, one's called Urza's Tower, Urza's Mine, and Urza's Power Plant. And when you have all three out in play... Um, what is it? Two of the lands add two colorless mana instead of one, and the tower adds three colorless mana, so you get an option of seven mana with three lands. And there are a lot of cards that will allow you to search for those cards specifically, so they could have Tron, quote-unquote, activated on turn three. So that's seven mana on turn three. Holy crap, they can get out some really big creatures and just mess up your day. Delver, I felt, just was not a good matchup against Tron without land destruction and a lot of hand disruption as well. Excuse me. The next deck I played against, it was it was a strange one. i never seen it. It was a combo deck. It had Helix Pinnacle in it. Which Helix Pinnacle is a one green enchantment with Shroud, which is similar to Hexproof. And if you pay X, you can put X amount of tower counters on Helix Pinnacle. And if you have 100 or more tower counters on Helix Pinnacle, you win the game. And he also, uh, the only other, he had Sylvan Caryatid, but the other thing was Axbane Guardian, which you can add X mana. X amount of mana and any combination of colors to your mana pool, X is, where X is the number of creatures with Defender you control. Um, I'd never seen this deck. It was, Like I said, it was a combo deck. He would... Oh, crap. I forget I forget what the combo was, but he would get this enchantment out where he could tap and untap Axbane Guardian to be able to put X amount of counters on Helix Pinnacle and just win. The one thing with that... I... I beat him game one. He beat me game... Er, no, 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 no. He beat me game one because of the combo. Game two and three, I made sure to sideboard in Thoughtseize, um, you know, discard spells, you know, Culligan's Command, and kill spells and more counters, and basically played the counter game where I just had one to two creatures out and just slowly beat him down. 
while I just countered everything he did. And that was the only game that I actually, or the only round that I actually won. Um, so yeah, I've never, I'd never seen that deck before. It looked interesting. I just, I'm just not sure of all the other pieces. I can't remember the name of the cards because it's, I only saw the combo once. Um, the next, the last round, there was only four rounds that night. The last round was against affinity. And again, and it was a more common affinity. It was your more standard affinity. And I won one game and then I proceeded to lose the next two games. By that time, it was getting to be past 10 o'clock. And I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast. Once it gets past a certain time when I'm doing these podcasts, I start to do horrible. There were, I can remember in games two and three, she played an Arcbound Ravenger on both turn on in both games, and I had a Spell Snare in hand. And Spell Snare counters target spell with converted mana cost of two. And I had open mana for it, but I just let her play it. I wasn't even thinking; like I was so tired. Just like I see the Arcbound, where I'm like, okay, it's good. Went in my head, and she and I think at one point she knew I had a um spell snare too i can't i can't remember how she knew but i think i think she did or whatever and she plays it and i just <laughs> like I said, when it starts getting a little bit late for me i i'm a i'm pretty i'm pretty much a weakling when it comes to staying up late once it gets past a certain time i just get cranky and i become terrible at magic and i just i lost of just really bad playing i probably could have because I won game one I probably could have won game two if I had countered that ravenger ravager ravenger yeah because I I did a thought seize or a or a getaxium probe which lets me look at her hand I can't remember which one and I knew she only had one arcbound ravenger at that time and I could have won game two but that arcbound ravenger just got out of control and yeah that's what happens when you're tired you know, so how do you battle that when you're tired? Especially, you know, when you're just playing a a casual tournament. It's it's not that I don't take, you know, the the local game store level games seriously. It's just that I try to take them less seriously. I try to be more casual about it, but I still go there to want to do my best at least. So, yeah, so that was pretty much modern Monday night, modern in a nutshell. Like I said, I was pretty happy with playing Grixis Delver. I was happy with playing a different deck and I really like the deck. I need a lot more practice with it. I need better sideboard. Definitely need Fulminator Mage and Blood Moon. I think maybe just one Blood Moon because it's a little bit pricey. It's like up in the $40 $40 range now. And Fulminator Mage, I think is the same thing, like 40 bucks a pop. So, you know, I'm not in any rush to get it right now because I still need one more Snapcaster, which I'm going to get that first before worrying about the sideboard. I'd rather get the main board all set up and done because that's the last card I need. I'm also not running a full playset of Scalding Tarns. I'm using Bloodstained Myers and Polluted Deltas instead because that's what I have and I don't feel like dropping... $400 on a place at a scalding tarns. If they go down in price at some point, I'll look into getting them. 
but as of right now, I I didn't feel hindered without having the scalding tarns. Now, I do have shocklands in my deck, and I there are some games where I had to bring myself down to like ten by turn three, but luckily with the amount of utility I have in that deck, I can just counter stuff kill stuff that I didn't really worry about it that much but it's just the fact of oh crap I got to keep using these fetch lands I got to keep using the shock lands so it's 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 a different deck a different mentality that I'm not used to yet but I'm getting there so let's go back into our main topic of the night and that is so if you listen to part one of lines of play I was doing a game with Atarka Red versus Abzan Aggro. And if you remember correctly, Atarka Red won the first game. And I did not go into the sideboard, but we will go into the sideboard now. So let me just load up the deck here. Give me a moment. So... Or if you want to know what the deck list that I'm running, um, like I said, you really have to listen to the part one first. I don't want to go over all that again. That took a while. But the sideboard that I'm running for Atarka Red here, like I said, this is just a standard list. I have two Den Protector. Den Protector you can be can be played as a morph. And the good thing about Den Protector is when it's turned face up, return target card from your graveyard to your hand. So it has that eternal witness effect. And then creatures with power less than Den Protector, Den Protector's power can't block it. Um, the next sideboard card that I'm running in this are two Pia and Kieran Nalar, the Chandra's parents. When Pia and Kieran Nalar enters the battlefield, put two 1 1 colorless Stopter artifact creature tokens with flying onto the battlefield. Not only is that a cool effect, but you can also, with P and Kieran, is you pay two colorless and one red and sacrifice an artifact. P and Kieran Alar deals two damage to target creature or player. That is an awesome effect, too. That's just value right there. So you're paying four mana to play the card, two colorless and two red, and you get three bodies on the field for that, a 2-2 two, two, and two one ones, And then you can sacrifice the artifacts and deal two damage to the player if you need it, especially when you're playing an aggro deck, you know, that, what can, that's just value right there. You know, what more do you want? I am running two more teamer battle rage. Uh, cause remember in the main board, there's only one. So a teamer battle rage gives target creature gains double strike until end of turn. And that costs one colorless and one red. There are three arc lightning. Arc lightning is a good, interesting card. Especially if, especially in the mirror match against aggro. Arc, arc Lightning deals three damage divided as you choose among one, two, or three target creatures and or players. So that costs two colorless and one red. That's not a bad card. Like I said, in the mirror match, if they're playing a lot of goblins or something like that, or a lot of, you know, 1-1 one, one soldier tokens. Oh, sorry. You know, that playing that card, boom, you just wipe their board. Um, playing two Painful Truths. Painful Truths has quickly become one of the better draw spells in this standard. It's two colorless and one black. It has Converge. Converge basically means 
or actually, let me just read the card, and it'll tell you what converge means. Converge, you draw X cards, and you lose X life, where X is the number of colors of mana spent to cast painful truths. So, since this card costs three mana, a three converted mana cost, you can draw up to three cards and lose three life. Because you can only spend three colors to cast it, which, that's awesome. Right there. I don't know what more to tell you, especially in an aggro deck where you pretty much throw up your hand and, you know, pretty much have an empty hand. You drawing that card, then drawing, you know, you drawing painful truths and being able to draw three more. Hey, good for you. You know, because aggro doesn't worry about life that much. Then the last one is four self-inflicted wounds. Target opponent sacrifices a green or white creature. If that player does, he or she loses two life. It costs one colorless and one black. So what are we going to sideboard? If you remember correctly in the first episode, the aggro deck won very quickly. So it doesn't really give us a lot of information of what our opponent had. That's one of the downfalls that I've seen with aggro. If they win too quickly. That you don't get to see what your opponent is playing. Because there's going to be some opponent. You know. Of course you can always try to say. Hey what are you playing to your opponent. And they'll just be like oh you know you'll see. That That's a lot of. That's a big common answer that I'll hear. Against people. is like oh you'll see what I'm playing. You know just wait and watch. I got this. But um. So, like I said, in game one, we didn't see a lot. The thing, the only things that we saw were a Canopy Vista, which is the green-white land, and a Forest, and a Snapping Gnarlid. The only thing we could guess at this point is maybe they're playing a green-white deck, but that's not really in the meta right now. Maybe it's an Abzan deck because green and white are an Abzan, so with that kind of knowledge, you know, what what else may be playing green and white? Four color rally may play green and white, but they don't play snapping gnarled though. So the only thing that I am going to that I would take a guess here is that maybe it's either green white, a green white homebrew with snapping gnarled or it may be Abzan. Those, those are the only two things I might guess. Now, who knows if I'm... I mean, I, I already know what the deck is, but that this is just what I'd sort of be guessing if this was at FNM or a tournament, something like that. So, knowing that, the kind of cards that I would like to put in would probably be Pia and Kieran Nalar. I'd like to put in both of them. You know, what I would probably take out for that, you know, I could take out Zergo. I'll take out two of the Zergos. And that's Zergo Bell Striker, the one red 2-2 two, two that does have dash. You know, what else might I take out? You know what? Ooh, that's a good one. You know, I might take out... Let's see, a Tarkus command is good to have. The Wild Slash. I could take out Teamer Battle Rage and put in a self-inflicted wound. Maybe take out another Hordling Outburst and put in a self-inflicted wound. 
self-inflicted wound is the target opponent sacrifices a green or white creature. And the reason why I'm doing that is, one, I only saw two colors, and two, there's a good chance that they're going to be playing more green and white creatures, and that just makes them lose life quicker. Painful truths. Do I want painful truths? Um, I don't think so. Do I want Den Protector? You know, I think I might want Den Protector. Uh, do I want to take out an Abbot? No, you know, I'll take out the last Zergo Bell Striker and put in one Den Protector. I think I'll keep everything else the way it is. So let me sideboard real quick with the with the Abzan deck. I'm not going to tell you what I put in, because that would be no fun. I the, You yourself, if you were playing, you wouldn't know what is being put in. So just bear with me a few moments here while I do this. I'll do those. I'll take that out. That's kind of useless for me. Mm. That might be useful. Oh yeah, that would definitely be good. Yes. Take two of those. Yeah, I don't need... I don't need any of those. Uh, I need to take one more card out. Okay. Alright, we are ready to start the game. Since the Atarka red deck won first, the abs and my opponent will have the option to go in first. And... Okay. And that is not... A, actually... You know, we can do that. We'll try the hand that we're keeping. Well... Let me think here. So it looks like my opponent decided to keep seven cards. And I'm just thinking here. You know what? Let's no, let's mulligan. Too many land. Oh, that's not good. I'm gonna mulligan again. I only got one land and too many spells. Oh, not good. Going down to five. Okay, I'm going to keep four, three land, and an abbot, which is not good. So, I probably should have kept the first hand. It had four land, a dragon fodder, a monastery swiss spear, and a fiery impulse. Probably should have kept that hand, but I kind of wanted it to be a little bit faster than that. So, we're going to keep this hand here. I'm going to scry one. And you know what? No, we're going to move that down to the bottom. It was an Atarkas command. I'm going to put that on the bottom. I'd rather have a, another body out on the field. So my opponent's going to go first. I see that he's played a forest. And oh, looks like he's tapping it already. And Warden of the First Tree. Warden of the First Tree has a sort of level up effect. And... 
what I mean by that level up is you can pay one colorless and a white or black and warden the first tree becomes a creature with power and toughness three three um because he starts off as a one one then you can pay two colorless and two white or black and warden of the first tree becomes a three three with trample and lifelink then if you pay three colorless and three white or black mana warden of the first tree gets five one one counters on it plus trample and lifelink so it becomes an eight eight with lifelink and trample so that's not fun it's a, it's a good it's a good aggro card because you can easily get him to three three by turn two so i see that he's played a word in the first tree and my first thought is oh crap i should have kept my opening hand so i drew a fiery impulse right away i know i'm gonna cast it because I don't want that word in the first tree to go a little bit out of control here. So I'm going to play a mountain and tap one red and play Fiery Impulse, which deals two damage to target creature. Word in the first tree is dead, and Fiery Impulse goes in my graveyard, and that's the end of my first turn. All right, second turn goes. And hold on, sorry. Just having to click the mouse here a little bit. Makes it a little tough sometimes doing this. And my opponent plays a windswept heath. And you know what? He is going to say go ahead and pass. Alright, so I untap my mountain. I draw my card. And it looks like I drew a monastery swiss spear. And I'm going to go ahead and play a bloodstained mire. I'm going to play tap a mountain, get the monastery Swiss spear out and attack for one. And my opponent's going to take one at the end of my turn. My opponent is going to crack his windswept teeth and he will get a, whoops, looking at the wrong deck. I was like, why am I seeing all these like cinder glades and stuff? This is an Abzan. Now, um, Canopy Vista is what's going to come out for him. And you know what? I'm going to crack my fetch land too just in response. And I will get a Cinderglade out. I mean, both Cinderglade and Canopy Vista come in tapped. Alright, my opponent's going to draw. And he plays a Flooded Strand. You know, I'm not too sure what he's trying to do here. I'm not, he's not playing anything in this turn, so he's going to go ahead and pass. All right. I'm going to untap, upkeep, draw. I'm going to play a Wooded Foothills. And I just drew a Titan Strength. You know, it might be a good idea. You know, typically at this point, your opponent has not played any other cards yet. He's got, you ask him, you know, how many cards in hand do you have? He says five. You you know that he's got five cards. He's not playing anything, so you get a. I would get a little worried at this point. Is like, what is he gonna do? You know, what what is there that he can do here? I'm I'm not sure. So I'm gonna. I don't want to play Abbott yet. So I'm gonna go ahead and attack. You know, he says, okay, no, you know, no response to attack, and then I'm in response to the you know, no response to attacks, you know, 
the blocking phase will happen. Then we'll go to damage. I'm going to tap one red and target Monastery Swiss Spear. You know, with Titan Strength. And then my opponent says, in response, is going to tap the Canopy Vista and the Forest and play Surge of Righteousness. And what Surge of Righteousness does is destroy target black or red creature that's attacking or blocking. You gain two life. So targeting the Monastery Swiss Spear. So my opponent's going to go back up to 20. And Monastery Swiss Spear is dead. Titan Strength resolves. And I get to scry one. Then what's the point? And then second main phase, I'm going to go ahead and crack the wooded foothills. Get another cinder glade out. And then pass the turn. All right. All right, so my opponent is cracking his flooded strand. He gets a planes out. So then he goes and plays a sunken hollow for his land for turn. And I see him tap all four lands and I'm thinking, oh great. So he's got a sunken hollow, which adds a blue or a black. He's got a planes, a canopy vista, which taps for green or white. And then a forest. And I can only guess, oh look, my favorite card in the entire entire world siege rhino oh yay so siege rhino in case you forgot it has trample it costs four to play one colorless a white black and green the abs and colors when siege rhino enters the battlefield each opponent loses three life and you gain three life so my opponent immediately goes up to 23 and i go down to 20 15 yes 25 no 15 and here i am thinking oh great Siege Rhino. I should have really kept my seven land hand. I probably could have done something here. Oh, yay. The life of an aggro player, especially when up against Abzan. And I draw and I draw a mountain, and I just know things are going well right now. So I'm going to play my Abbot. My Abbot allows me to exile the top card of my library, and I may play it to lend a turn. And I get a Wooded Foothills. Things are not looking good for me. At this point in the game, I'm thinking to myself, I have to get really lucky to win here. Because for all I know, my opponent has three more Siege Rhinos in his deck. So I'm going to go ahead and end my turn. Pass it over to my opponent. He draws. And he plays a Shambling Vent, which is a man land. It comes in tapped, it adds white or black to my mana pool, and if I pay one colorless, a white and black, Shambling Vent becomes a 2-3 creature with lifelink until end of turn. It's still a land. Alrighty then, at this point I'm just thinking, oh great, Shambling Vent, you know, what else does he have? So he's going to go to combat and attack with Siege Rhino, I don't want my Abbot to die right now. Heck no, so I'm just going to let it go through. And I'm down to 11. And this makes me a sad panda. At the end of my turn, I'm going to crack my fetch land, go down to 10. Oh, whoops, wrong deck again. I'm looking, oh, why am I getting, why do I see siege rhinos in my deck? I am going to, you know, we're going to get a mountain. And it is going to go to my turn now. I untap, draw. And what I drew was an Atarkas command. 
This is not very helpful for me. I could cast a Tarkus Command, do three damage to him, and give my creatures plus one, plus one. That would make Abbot of Carol Keep a 3-2 with Prowess triggered that make him a 4-3. So I could do seven damage to him right now. The only problem is my opponent did not play any other cards that turn. He's got to have something up his hand. And if I do anything right now, there's a good chance that he's going to kill it. But I kind of have a feeling right now that I'm not going to win this game. So I'm going to risk it because I want more information at this point. I want more information of what of what my opponent has and what he's capable of, of what he's doing. So I'm going to go to combat. I'm going to declare attacks. He says, my opponent says, okay. And after declaring attacks, I'm going to play a Tarkus command and choose three damage to my opponent. And my creatures get plus one, plus one. In response, I see my opponent delving away a flooded strand and then tapping all four mana. And he plays a murderous cut targeting my Abbot of Carol Keep. I don't have anything else I can do. I've got a mountain in hand. Abbot of Carol Keep does die. Um, a Tarkus command does resolve. It does three damage to target opponent. And that is the end of my turn. So now my opponent's going to up, untap, upkeep, draw. And then he is going to tap four mana. And I'm thinking, oh no, not another Siege Rhino. And it's a Gideon ally, ally of Zendikar. At this point, I would just scoop with a mountain in hand and no creatures. You know, I shouldn't have kept four. I should have really kept the seven. But hey, that happens. That's what's great about magic is you live and learn. So, all right, let's go on to game three because that game two was pretty pitiful. But the good thing with losing that game, at least now, the aggro deck can go first. I'm definitely going to choose to go first here. So my opening hand, I'm not going to sideboard any cards. So my opening hand is not that great. I'm going to go down to six, but I'm going to keep the six because what I have them in my six in in my six hands and my six cards are two mountains and a Tarkus command, a monastery, Swiss spear, a become immense, and an abbot of Carol keep. You know, I do need green for the Tarkus command and become immense, but. I like this hand and I don't want to go down any further. I at least have the ability to play two creatures and hopefully they can do some damage. I'm going to mulligan and my top card was an Abbot of Carol keep. I'm going to keep that. Um, my opponent decides to keep his, you know, let me take a look at my, <coughs> excuse me, my opponent's hand. You know, he is deciding to keep that. So let's go on to my turn. I don't draw. I play Mountain. Monastery Swiss Spear. Swing for one. He's down to 19 and end the turn. And now it's my opponent's turn. He draws. Plays a Forest. And Warden the First Tree. So this is looking 
a lot like game two. So I'm thinking, oh, all right, well, I got to stay on top here. I can't let them, you know, overrun me like you did before. So I'm going to draw, play a mountain, another mountain. Going to go and attack. He decides not to block because he doesn't want to lose that war in the first tree. And like I drew another abbot, so I've got two abbots in my hand. I don't have any spells to play, but I'm keeping the mana up to make it think I've got something to play. And I'd say I don't. He goes down to 18. Second main phase. It's not the smartest thing to do. But I do play an Abbot of Carol Keep because I want to see what I would get. A Reckless Bushwhacker is what I would get. Um, that's what I exile on the top card. And that's that's not too bad. I'd rather almost exile that in hopes of something else comes along. Like maybe another land or another spell. So I'm okay with losing a Reckless Bushwhacker. So second main phase or first main phase for my opponent. He gets a windswept teeth. He's going to crack it. He's going to get a planes out and he's going to pump up warden in the first tree to become a three, three and goes and attacks. I definitely don't want to block. I don't want to lose my abbot right now. And I will go down to 17 and that's going to be the end of his turn. Ah, this is some good news here. My opponent left himself open, and I drew a Cinderglade. Cinderglade is the red and green. Now I can do a lot of damage at this point. So I've got an Abbot and a Monastery Swiss Spear, both with prowess. He's tapped out. His creature is tapped out. I'm going to go ahead and swing with both Abbot and Monastery Swiss Spear, and after declaring attacks, I'm going to play a Tarkus Command, dealing three damage to my opponent. So he's down to 14, and then I'm going to give my creatures plus one, plus one. That also triggers off prowess. So that makes Monastery Swiss Spear a 3-4, and Abbot of the Carol Keep a 4-3. So that's going to be seven more damage. So he's down to seven already by turn three. At this point, my opponent was probably like, oh crap, maybe I should not have attacked. So I'm going to end my turn. And go on. Ah, not bad. But can I play it? I don't want to say what I drew. Well, my opponent plays a flooded strand. Oh, I can play it. Okay. He goes down to six. A sunken hollow emerges. And Anafenza the Foremost comes out. Anafenza the Foremost is a 4-4 Costs one white, one black, and one green to play. And whenever Anafens of the Foremost attacks, put a 1-1 one, one counter on another target tap creature you control. If a creature card would be put into an opponent's graveyard from anywhere, exile it instead. So that card kind of puts a damper on my plans right now. Because I want to be able to kill him quickly. He's down to six. I know if I just get something to kill off one of his creatures, I can get him. So... He's not going to attack, because if he attacked right now, that would just be very dumb of him. It opens opens him up to lose. So now I'm going to go back to my side here, and I draw Wooded Foothills. It's kind of not what I wanted, but I'm going to tap. Hold on. I'm going to tap the two mountains and play Abbot of Carol Keep. Again, a, se a second one. Exile the top card, and it's a Become Immense. Well, I can't play that. 
this turn. I'm going to get a Wooded Foothills, crack it, go down to 16, and I will get another Cinder Glade out. And I'm not going to attack because they'll both my Abbot and Monastery Swiss Spear will just die. So now my opponent goes to his turn. He's going to play a Canopy Vista, taps all four, and plays Siege Rhino. Dun, dun, dun. I go down to 13. He goes back up to nine. And this is where things get a little crazy. Um, at this point, I just know that I've got to do something quick or I'm dead. He's going to end his turn because he knows, you know, there's no point. He can, my opponent can play the long game because his creatures are beefier than mine. And I draw a mountain. You know, at this point, I'm thinking, well, crap, what can I do at this point? I'm going to play that mountain, and I'm going to say go. My opponent's going to untap, upkeep, draw. And play a windswept heath. You know, no, that card is useless right now. Whoa, no, no, I don't want to use that. Ooh, no, I don't know if I want to use that right now. I think I should save that. You know, it, it's kind of hard to do this sometimes because I think as my opponent, it's, you know, I, I mm, it's like I want to attack as my opponent, but I don't because I know that if he does, you know, let's see, my opponent only has the ability to do, wait, 8, 9, 10, 11, can do 11 damage to me. I can possibly do 9 damage back to him. So he's going to stave off on attacking for right now. I'm going to untap, upkeep, draw. Hmm, this is interesting. A Titan Strength. I've got a Titan Strength and a Become Immense. Now... What might happen you know what I'm thinking here it's I can attack, but my opponent will obviously block them because I none of my creatures have trample, but his creatures do, so you know I think I may keep that card off i I'm gonna pass not attacking right now I don't really want to attack you know what with what my um opponent drew you know he's deciding whether or not he wants to tap that um fetch land so you know what 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 do we do here my opponent you know is looking a little unsure he's looking long at his hand you know he's gonna go for the attack. He's swinging for 8, 9, 10, 11. He's swinging for 11. Anna Fenz's trigger or Anna Fenz's ability triggers off right now. So she's going to put a 1 1 counter on Siege Rhino, effectively making it a 5 6. So at this point, you know, so that's 5, 9, 10, 11, 12. Would I want to risk this going down to one? 
can I'm thinking to myself here, would I be able to win? Would I be able to beat my opponent right now? And if I were to block, I can block at least Anafenza. I think maybe the smart thing to do, because I don't want to go down to one, maybe the smart thing to do would be to have, well, no, because if I have both abbots block, that leaves me with two dead abbots and one monastery Swiss beer, which could easily die. So I'm going to go ahead and decide to block with one of my abbots to Anafenza. And in response to blocking, I'm going to target Titan Strength to Abbot of Carol Keep. One, it triggers off all the prowess, but I really wanted the scry. My opponent says it does resolve. Um, you know, I look at the scry and I don't want that. It was a bloodstained mire. You know, eh, screw that. And... So that would make him go up to five, then six. So three, yeah, Anafenza would trade off Abadakar will keep. They would both trade off. And then I would take five, six, seven, eight, eight damage. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Go down to five. All right. So it's my opponent's second main phase. And just to keep me on my toes... They play another Anafenza the Foremost, and then a Flooded Strand for the turn, and end the turn. Man, at this point, I'm thinking I may not have much luck. So, what I drew was a Monastery Swiss Spear. I'm going to go ahead and tap one red and play it. So, the only thing I have left in my hand is a Become Immense. And at this point, I'm really thinking... You know, there's something he may still have. Abzan does typically tip, typically run Abzan Charm. And Abzan Charm would just wreck my day right now. He's at 9 life. If I don't kill him now, he's I'm dead at this point. And I think the only thing I can do is attempt to make an attack. To try to do something. So I'm going to go ahead and go to combat. Swing with all three. And he says okay. He's going to go to block. His, one of the Anafenses are going to block Abbott. So in response to the block. I'm going to delve three of my cards. So that's three. Four. Five. Six. Play become immense. Targeting one of the monastery Swiss Spears. That would make it a 6-6 six, six plus 1, 7, 8, then 9, 10. In response to that, he's going to crack both of his fetch lands, a windswept teeth and flooded strand. Oh, no. I mean, well, he would normally crack one at a time. A smoldering marsh comes out. Oh, whoops. Dang, I did it again. Clicking on the wrong decks. Well, smoldering marsh comes out. <laughs> And a Canopy Vista. And after he gets those out, in response he plays an Abzan Charm, targeting the Monastery Swiss Spear that just became immense and exiles it, and that's going to be game.
because the only amount of damage I could do is two damage to him, taking him down to seven. His next turn, he will just go ahead and swing in for the kill. So, kind of hoping it wouldn't play out like that. I really wanted to win as the aggro deck, but hey, that happens. As that that happens with aggro. It's especially against Abzan. So, good thing it's only, you know, a couple more months and Siege Rhino is gone. So, really, the whole basis of this little part one, part two series was to really sort of get your mindset for when you're at FNM or at a tournament. Really trying to get, you know, a mindset going of, okay, what are they going to be playing? What is my opponent going to be doing? Can they be doing this? Are they playing that? It's it's to really get you there and get focused and understand that there is a lot of lines of play when you're playing Magic. So, while it may not have been the most entertaining episode, hopefully you got a little something out of it, just to really understand. Um, this episode wasn't really meant for advanced players, it's more for more beginner players. And i sorry if it sorry if it was hard to visualize, I try to do my best to describe everything. I did sort of rush towards the end and I apologize for that. And, yeah, well... We're reaching almost an hour here. This was this went on a lot longer than I thought. A lot longer than part one. And um, yeah. Well, I just like to thank you all for listening. And once again, I would like to thank MTG Cast for not only adding me to their roster of podcasts, but also for helping you know spread the word of this podcast and getting you know it out there. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at at magic with Zuby. You can also email me at magic with Zuby at gmail.com. Ask me any questions. I'll gladly answer them. Hey, I may put them on the show. And my website is mtgzuby.blogspot.com. And have a great night, everybody. All right. Thanks. Hey.